0: Okay, well, good morning. Uh, today, you get both of us here, uh, Kevin, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, we are so grateful to be here with some of our friends, uh, Kim and Emma Stevens, in their house here in, in Athens, Georgia. Um, and uh, um, like I said, it's, it's great that we can do this anywhere in, in the world these days, so we get to stay connected. So wherever you are this morning, Uh, Whether you're in your home, maybe you're on vacation. I know the Drees were going out of town. I think my mom and dad are out of town this weekend as well. Uh, But wherever you are, uh, we're going to dig back into scriptures and uh, really look at a message today that that I know that that we need to hear. Uh, Last week we talked about who God is. We talked about these divine qualities and characteristics of God. These things that make our heads spin a little bit. uh, How big and mighty and all powerful God is, and and the omniscience of god how he understands everything perceives everything uh, before it happens after it happens and then there's that omnipresence of god where he's everywhere all the time at the same time i mean boo! i mean yeah. we don't get it uh, but what i love what was so great is wednesday night being able to discuss this in our groups and to talk about these things together and, uh, and there were some questions in there. Why do we think that God doesn't fix every problem right away because he's got all this power? Uh, why does he wait? And there were some really rich discussions about how God's at work there. But what we're going to do today, we're going to take that message. When we do have this trust and the understanding of who God is, and then we get this next message of how this powerful God, this all-seeing God, has such attention to our individual lives. I mean, it's remarkable. It's amazing. It really shapes the way we think and what we feel, especially the way we pray, the way we live our lives. So we're going to look at some scriptures today that I'll dive into this a little bit, and Elizabeth's going to share some today because she's written a lot about this uh, in some of her books, and and she's going to share, especially when we get to a narrative in the Old Testament that she spent a lot of time studying. uh, She's going to share about that in a minute. But let's start in Luke chapter 12. And uh, if you do have your Bible, it would be great to... um, to uh, to get your Bible out there. I saw Tori said, happy Sunday, happy Sunday, Tori. Um, and we're going to read in Luke chapter 12. It seems like we've been in Luke 12 a lot lately. Oh, it's yeah. just it's just been a, a chapter that's it got a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> we've needed it. I guess so. Um, so here's a little paragraph that Jesus gives to us. And, and we're looking at Jesus to explain to us who God is and how God works. And we're in verse up. Uh, four, and we'll go through four through seven. And he says this, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that have uh, can do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And that sounds a little daunting You know, yes, there's a warning there. There always is a warning, but he goes on to to encourage us as well. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And he's speaking to people here that have worries and anxieties, just like you and I have. And, and they have worries about, about life and death, don't they? About being harmed. Don't worry about somebody who may threaten you or kill you or hurt you. And, and these are real fears that we have. He says, think more about eternity. And one thing I thought about in reading this, sometimes I've read this and think, hey, he's saying we should fear Satan. And I don't, I don't think that's what it's saying because Satan's not the one who has authority god has authority i think it's this fear and respect of god he said have a respect of god who oversees everything for all eternity but he says he cares he talks about sparrows um these little birds that you see all the time Uh, maybe for us in wilmington it's it's fish or seagulls or or, uh, things that we just kind of these, these animals that we're around all the time and he says god knows every single one of them. And then he says this, um, he knows every hair on our head. Um, I have, uh, I don't know if more hairs on my head these days. I have more hair, longer hair these <laughs> longer days. Longer my... hair. COVID hair. COVID um, hair. Quarantine hair. Okay. Quarantine Quarantine. I, <laughs> I know some of us guys are a little more hair challenged than others. Okay, sorry, Bill. Uh, but, uh, oh, 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 oh. sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> we love um, you, Bill.
0: But, but uh but what's jesus saying he says jesus god knows everything about us and every one of us are significant to god he says you are much more valuable than anything in all creation and god knows everything that's going on that's that shapes how i think that that we're significant and those are the questions really that that matter the most of us in our life i wrote some questions here that we, really we think about. One, does my life matter? Does my life really matter? Am I significant uh, in the eyes of God? Will people remember me? Will people miss me when I'm gone? I don't know. (laughs) What kind of legacy am I going to leave? Uh, Am I making a difference in my life? What do I have to contribute to this world Will I have an opportunity to do something that makes a difference? Will I be noticed? Do people care about me? I mean, these are all the questions that, that really that we think about, that we feel, that we, when we think about the profoundness of our life. Those are the real questions that we all have. And Jesus says, yes, you do matter. You are significant, each individual soul that God has made, every one of us, God cares for, and he's big enough to care about every one of us. Um, I uh, always have to tell my daughter Sawyer what to dream about every night. She comes to me and says, what do I dream about, Daddy? What do I dream about? And the other night, I came up with some crazy dream. It's like, because uh, we, we found out that seahorses have like 1,500 when they give birth that's a lot of seahorses seahorses. so i said okay imagine if mommy and i had 1500 kids and what our house would be like and have we live in a hotel and there'd be a big cafeteria and we'd have our own football team and every night i mean but i'd have to i can only spend like a little bit of time with each kid every night and and it was on and on and, and 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 this, I don't even know if you knew about this. I do
1: not know about this It was a crazy stream. dream. I'm going to let you get my tears So, anymore. so <laughs> we had fun drawing
0: this out. But, but in my mind, that just wouldn't work, okay? Um, and, and sometimes we think that way about God. Wow, there's so many. There's 7 billion people. There's How could God spend this time with this person, this time? But God, with every single one of us, cares deeply, and we're each very significant. And We've got to really understand this. God cares for us this passage says it's impossible for us to be forgotten by god it's impossible Uh, and parents we get this we get this just a little bit uh we we can't forget our kids we we, connect the things that we feel about them is a little bit the way god feels about us on a grander scale You know, Paul says in Romans 12 that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And we get this as as parents. And we rejoice when our kids have something really good happen to them. It's not just because, oh, we're so proud of them, but we're so happy that they're happy. We have to dance. And I I remember just experiencing this sometimes with the kids when, you know, the uh, Casting Blake came home with first chair violin or cello, and I was certainly proud of them, but I just so happy. I wanted to celebrate. I want to go out and eat dinner together. And this is a big deal because they were so happy. And, and God rejoices when we rejoice. And God suffers and God mourns when we mourn. And, and I think as parents, we really feel that when our kids go through tough things. I mean we feel it. We take it on very deeply. And God feels that way with us. Um, I have a lot of other examples I could share about that, but we'll keep moving on because of time here. And Elizabeth got a lot of great things to share about that. But, 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 parents also we do have to come to realization with our kids if we're thinking about this that we are not God. We are not God uh, in our kids' lives, and that's so important for for us to have faith um, because we can't make everything they make them happy all the time we can't fix every problem and if our lives are all wound up about all that we're not trusting in God to direct things then we get full of anxiety and we're we're or or maybe we start worshiping our kids because of all they do and we're not just bringing glory to God so I just want to throw that in a little bit that that God is God, and God is the one who cares and, and can fix and is with all of us. He is with our kids, and he feels all this way with us. I want to read out of Isaiah 43, just one place in, of many places in the scripture where God tries to communicate in human words how he feels about us, how he feels about his children. Verse 1, Isaiah 43. I'll give just a second to turn there. He says this, verse one, uh, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. And I, lo- I love that. And he's talking to the nation of Israel, but I think he knows our names. He's summoning us by name. Um, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And this is kind of what Jesus was talking about. He says, don't worry about all these things in this life. God, I'm with you. I, you're not forgotten. I'm gonna take care of you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I will give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and seba for your stead. Um, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up and the south do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now there's this, interesting thing I'm going to give people in exchange for you and I'm not going to get into all those things I'm just talking about how God feels about us okay how that we are precious to him we are significant we are important we are his children and he gives everything for us and that's what he demonstrated with Jesus I'm going to give you my own son whom I love because you're so precious to me this is powerful this is the most powerful thing about God is God's overarching love, and is individualized love. And we need to start to see that here this morning. Um, One thing I wanted to draw out, and Elizabeth wants to share about this, is that God really especially is with his people, with his children, when we suffer, when we suffer, when we go through hard things. The Bible, again, is full of examples of this. And we're going to look at one Old Testament example, of how God specifically looks to an individual to really minister to them, to help them, to seek, to care about what we care about, to help us through our pain, through our suffering, through our times of trial. And that's the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. Again, we're in the Old Testament. And just remind us that uh, Samuel, you know, he is going to be this great prophet, uh, you know, eventually is going to be the one to anoint King. King Saul and King David to the kingship, uh, this great man of God. But how did Samuel come about? Well, there was a man named Elkanah. Uh, I won't read all these names in 1 Samuel 1. I, you'll make fun of me for how I mispronounce them. Uh, but verse 3, uh, he, you know, he talks about having, he had two different wives. One was Panida and one was Hannah, okay? And uh, uh, Hannah didn't have any children, but the other spouse did. And you can just see a lot of, of trouble going on in this family dynamic it was challenging to say the least and look it just gets incredibly challenging verse three year after year this man Elkanah went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas his two sons uh, the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. I mean, this is just a horrible existence for Hannah. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept would not eat her husband elkanah would say to her hannah why are you weeping why don't you eat why are you downhearted don't i mean more to you than 10 sons and typical men, he doesn't really get it there uh necessarily he's trying to fix it but uh once they had finished eating and drinking in shiloh hannah stood up now eli the high priest was sitting in his on his chair the doorpost of the lord's house In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, her lips were moving, her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you gonna stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying out praying out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So Elizabeth, I know you've uh, you've written a lot about this story. So here we see God, looking specifically to the prayer of an individual and responding to Hannah's grief. So, uh, draw this out for us here. Um, what do we learn about how God works in our lives?
1: Well, I mean, this story has always meant a lot to me. Um, as many of you who know us know, we went through, um, a long season of infertility, um, several years and so many doctor visits and money spent and no answers. And, Meanwhile, you know, our friends start having babies and we're left behind. And, um, (laughs) any of you who know me know that I don't take things lightly in life (laughs) being a very big feeler, um, that, that season for us was really, um, not only a time of deep grief and confusion, but. Um, really a crisis of faith for me not for Kevin I think he really well,
0: I wrestle a lot. he yeah.
1: asked the hard questions but from a more faithful place I tend to go to the why God and the anger and the confusion and the doubt and I really wrestled during that time with um you know, is the Bible true? All these promises that I assumed were true in the Bible and that I've been taught just from the time I was a little girl, if you do the right thing, good things are going to come your way. You know, this very much an if then theology, if I do this, then God will give me this. And, you know, I mean, we sort of unconsciously teach that even, to our children, you know, like, Hey, if you do the right thing, life's going to go better for you. And most of the time that's true, right? It is true. And we should do the right thing. (laughs) Um, But what about when it doesn't, what about when you're praying and you're faithful like Hannah and year after year you're serving God and this one thing that you want more than anything, this thing that you need God to give you, he's not giving it and i think for me it just felt like god was silent it felt like i was praying and praying and praying and there was nobody on the other end of the line and um so i really had to re-examine my faith during that time i scoured the bible for places where i saw evidence that god loved individual people because i didn't doubt that god existed but i think sort of what I was wrestling with was, well, maybe God's promises are sort of true in a big, vague way. Like I will bless my people, but I don't matter. Elizabeth doesn't matter. And Kevin doesn't matter. And our prayers aren't being heard. And because we certainly didn't feel that way. We didn't, you know, the thing we wanted wasn't happening. And so it's funny because this was the Bible. I mean, I've used this Bible forever and I have, I, have a list. I started keeping a list in the back. Um, of places where God shows love to an individual person, because I needed to see that. And one of the things that I really admire about Hannah and learn from her is that she never stopped praying. And this says this went on year after year, not only infertility, not only an unanswered prayer and a, her whole life and future on hold, but also verbal and emotional abuse at home. I mean, I that that's mm. almost unbearable because I think about if if I had gone through that season of infertility and also, this makes me kind of want to punch you if you had had another <laughs> wife, <laughs> which you would never consider doing, but. It, I'm in, for, I'm, in there, I'm
0: in trouble, I'm
1: in trouble for what I'm in trouble. But had, you know, have we lived in this society and and this other woman been getting pregnant time and time again? Because it says all Penina's sons and daughters, all of them, all implies a lot. We don't know how many, but it's certainly, it's more than two, probably mm. more like five, six, seven, you know, all means a lot. And so... Year after year, Hannah is watching this happen while this other woman gloats and rubs it in her face. And and even the culture of, of that time, people would have looked at Hannah like, you must have sinned and brought this on yourself. You must have done something wrong to not be walking in the blessing of God. Penina must be the righteous one. This cruel, awful woman is viewed as righteous, while poor Hannah, with her heart for God, is viewed as less than and sinful. And what did you see? they do wrong. But Hannah never stops praying. She does not let that destroy her faith. And, and not just praying, but crying out to God. And, you know, imagine if she had stopped praying before this day, would she have gotten this promise from Eli? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, had she given up too soon, she never would have gotten this and we know of course that not only did she get to have Samuel this child that she asked God for this amazing miracle where God said I see you and I have seen you all this time but she got to have many other other children after this God blessed her so abundantly um but I learned so much from Hannah that you know even in those times of delay when we really feel like God's not listening he is He's We just don't understand all of his ways. Um, One of the things that I learned to do during our season of infertility, and really that I've, I come back to all the time is when God seems distant and when God seems silent, I have to feed my faith by looking for God's fingerprints on my life in other ways. Maybe you're not getting this thing that you really, you really feel that you need from God. Maybe he's saying no or wait to something that you feel like defines your life. You can't be happy and complete without, and maybe you can't be. I mean, there are things that if we don't have them, our life has a hole in it. That is true. Um, But God's fingerprints are still on your life, you know? And um, this is sort of a silly example, but it really meant something to me. Last year, um, I taught fifth grade writing and um, I was a first-time teacher and I just kind of got thrown into the deep end, um, you know, <laughs> with no floaty. And I was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I needed systems. I needed to figure out systems that I didn't even know I needed and I didn't know they existed, you know. <laughs> and, um, and a few weeks in, I was at this breaking point of just exhaustion. And I was so overwhelmed and I was really doubting myself, very insecure and feeling like I am terrible at this. I wasn't sleeping. I, I wasn't eating. I mean, I was a mess a few weeks in. And one morning I got up, you know, I don't know, probably at 4.30 because I wasn't sleeping. And I just pray, I begged God. I, I had to leave in a few hours. And I was like, God, I'm... I am right about here, about to crack, but I need you to encourage me today. And that, is su- that feels like such a pitiful prayer to pray, but I just, if I don't get some confirmation that this is not an utter failure, I think I might, you know, I don't know, have a meltdown, um, total breakdown. And so I just begged him for some encouragement and confirmation because I was so insecure and I went to school and I really was like almost shaking on the way to school. I was so anxious and um I taught my classes that morning and then I had this one little break and this woman came in um, a coworker who I really hardly knew I had met her a couple of times but her office backed up to my classroom and she came in and she just said I just want to tell you I can hear you teaching through the walls and I was like Oh no, you know, what have I said? What have I done? And she's like, and you are doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, she said all these nice things. And I actually sat there and cried because this woman was God answering my prayer. Nothing in my life had changed. The teaching, the systems had not invented themselves, teaching hadn't gotten any easier. The difficult, a few difficult students that I was trying to figure out, how do I draw them out? How do I engage them? It was still difficult. You know, the things that were hard were still hard, but I felt so seen and loved by God. His fingerprints were on my life. And that one little conversation that lasted probably 90 seconds changed the whole course of the next few weeks for me. And here's the thing we have those moments all the time, but we just don't always look for them and we Mm -hmm. don't notice them. Or maybe you're afraid to pray. I think we pray big, but sometimes we need to pray small. If God is saying no to the big, he often says yes to the small. And don't be afraid to say, not like I'm testing you, God, show that you're in my life. Not that, but God, I just need to know that you're here. One of my favorite Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 86. David prays, give me a sign of your goodness. And it's not that we're saying, God, I need a sign, prove that you're here. But God, I just need to know that you're in my life. I need to see evidence. I need your fingerprints in my life. Don't be afraid to pray small. And then when you see it, When God says yes to that little prayer and he gives you that kind, fatherly hug, own it and take it deep into your heart and let it feed your faith so that you, like Hannah, can keep praying and keep coming back so that eventually, who knows what's going to happen with the big things. I don't know. Only God knows, but it it sees you through those big, dark times, those big, hard times Mm -hmm. when God feels far away because, of course, he's not.
0: Uh, it's so great. Um, I mean, the question is, does does God listen to me? Does God care about what matters to me, what I'm going through? And the answer Hannah gets is yes, yes. And remember what Jesus said: these insignificant things that may may seem insignificant to us, the numbers of hairs on our head, that each little sparrow, He's like God. God knows. God's attentive, and we look, remember, we looked at last week how big God is. We don't serve a small God and we think small and we think God. We, we think, oh, God, he'll be with those big prayers. He'll be, uh, God, be with all those suffering with COVID. And, th- and we need to pray these things, be with this, this suffering going on in this country or those who are hungry and, and the, the, these, these, these big, big prayers. But then we think, oh, well, God must not really care. Uh, about these other little things going on in my life. No, Jesus tells us different. He says God, God does it all. He's big enough to do yeah. both, and that is important to God. I mean, I think about uh, again with our kids. I mean, um, you know, we we I care about some things just because my care my kids like them. Um, Pokemon cards. I mean, I never played Pokemon. I don't. I mean, I don't really know much about it. My kids. They have gone through Pokemon card stages and now they're in one again. And like, um, why is it important to me? Because it's important to them. They, they, they like talking about it. So I'm into it. I'm like, okay, let's talk about Pokemon. Let's get some Pokemon cards. And it's just because it brings them joy. I mean, I remember I mean, playing football. I don't know if God really likes football or not. <laughs> <laughs> he may, he may not like it or not, but, but it was important to me. And it was my life. So, so I believe God was listening to those prayers. And we should pray those specific things because God cares. He cares about what we care about. Um, I want want us to look at one more thing before we close. Yeah, just one other,
1: just tying back into the scripture you read in Isaiah 43. You know, He says, "When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you." And I think a lot of times we we associate hard times with God's disapproval. And, you know, it means we must have done something wrong and he doesn't care. Um, but going through a hard time, God is with you. And he, he does care. In fact, it, it almost gives him more of a chance to shower his love on you. I think when our kids go through a hard time, they actually get more of our attention. Yeah. You know, the happy kid who's doing well, um, you know, they're good. But the one who's hurting, we may devote a little extra we, we go out of our way to give them a little extra love because they they need it right now and everybody takes their turn. So I just wanted to loop back to yeah. that scripture as you know, that God cares when you're suffering.
0: And, and I think that leads us to this, this last part I want to draw out here, um, which I think is so key for us to understand because I think for me, uh, I think growing up I, and reading different scriptures and hearing different things, but I would think, you know, okay, God really cares about those who are living righteously. And those are the ones he's really attentive to. Those are the people who answers their prayers. And and you see a little a thread of that, you know, in the scripture, for those who are striving to be faithful. But but the problem is we may think, oh, well, that means God, if I'm not doing well spiritually, if I'm if I'm wandering, then God doesn't really care about me. You know, then God's really not listening. Now that is not what Jesus teaches. Listen, you know, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Jesus here. Okay, we're in Luke 15, last scripture today. Luke 15, verse three. Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels uh, of God over one sinner who repents. So what does Jesus tell us here? He kind of tells us the opposite a little bit. He says, okay, the 99, all right, they're doing okay. They're in the sheep pen. They're all right. I know where they are, but where's that one again we're to the individual where's that one where'd they go all right i'm leaving everybody else i am going after that one i'm stopping everything and that one is getting all of my attention wow think about what he's saying so some of us out there may be like man okay one day i'm gonna start living for god and maybe god will start caring about me and in my life Jesus says, no, you know what? God is running after you right now like crazy. He is focused in on you. He is searching. He is giving you so much attention. And I I can relate to that. I remember wandering spiritually for several years uh, in my teens. And um, I didn't feel good about what I was. I was wandering. I was living in sin, just doing some stupid things. But you know what? There are so many times during those wandering years where I felt the presence of God. I felt God reaching out to me, people having conversations with me, hearing this message. And, you know, uh, and, and, and God was just like relentlessly, relentlessly reminding me that he loved me. And he was rooting for me and he was searching for me. He was giving me opportunity after opportunity. Yeah, I had to respond. I had to finally give up one day and say, OK, please take me back, you know. And it was great. But, but listen, wherever you are, you got to understand this. God is running after you. He cares about you wherever you are. Um, He goes after that one. He's searching for us. He's running after us. He cares for us. So what does this all teach us today? God cares. More than anything, these truths about God will shape us uh, and how we feel, how we think about God, how we relate to God, how God relates to us. It should shape the way we pray, our gratitude to God. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, The world doesn't revolve around us, okay? I'm not the center of the world and neither are you. You know who is? Is God. Is Jesus Christ who runs this whole show. But what this does tell me is that God, who all the attention is focused on, is giving us his attention. God puts his attention on to us. He loves us. He cares for us. He knows how we're feeling right now. Um, he's not gonna leave us hanging. Need to have a little patience, like Hannah had a display, but he feels us. He aches for us. He dances with us. What are you going through right now? What's heavy on your heart today? God aches for you, for me. What are you excited about today? What are you celebrating today? You know, God's fired up. He's giving you that fist pump, that high five. He's not worried about social distancing right now, all right? That is not who, God, who God's doing. He's, he's all, he wants to embrace us. Are you wandering today? Are you feeling far from God? Do you think he doesn't really care about you? Oh, you are so, so wrong. He is running after you. And you know what? You know it. You see it. You feel it. Let him scoop you up. Let him take you home today, guys. There are people in your life right now God's put there to bring you back into his arms. He can't help it. He can't help it. You know why? Because we're his kids. He can't forget us. He cares. Hope this message encouraged you today. Go back through these scriptures. Jesus convinced you of who God is and how he cares so deeply and passionately about every one of us. Uh, Let's pray to close out service. We got a really uh, special song uh, and a message uh, from the Normans some of our growth group leaders as well to close out, let's pray together. God, we love you so much. Thank you for this time. Remember how much you care about us. Speak to everybody's heart today who's hearing this message to uh, assure us of God, uh, your attention to our individual lives. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. And in Jesus name we pray, amen.